0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Carolina Conservatives Preachers with a Punch. And folks, we have again with us, coming live with us once again, Lisa Metzger and Jessica Mullen. They are representing two different organizations, the uh, Moms Army of Charlotte and also the uh, Protect NC Kids, and we are very thrilled to have them both coming on with us again. We had them in a previous episode, and we just had so much to talk about that we couldn't get it all in, and so we wanted to bring them back again and address some really key uh, issues. Folks, you do not want to miss this. You need to hang on to your seats because there's nothing off limits when it comes to Preachers with a Punch. I'm Dr. Nathan Street,
1: and I'm Pastor Alan Mashburn. Uh, the the- The need has never been so great of where we are today. Um, Everything, every time we get up every morning, we just turn the news on if you do that, uh, which we recommend you don't. But uh, it just seemingly gets worse and worse. We have inappropriate books in in, uh, uh, taxpayer-funded libraries that, uh, not just in libraries, but public educational libraries, school libraries, that uh, are just totally inappropriate for ages, uh, smut, we could call it, pornography, inappropriate books, whatever you want to label it. And um, we have some organizations across the land represented here today and others who are fighting back. And we want to do everything we can to amplify their voice and join with them because we feel the same way. We're sick and tired of uh, our country going to hell in a handbasket. We're sick and tired of the tax on our children. We're sick and tired of our the attacks on the nuclear family. We're sick and tired of uh, attacks on our American value system. I mean, we could go on and on, but it is a joy to have you back here and and uh, to to just lengthen the dialogue that we started uh, because we need you and uh, we hope that you feel the same way about us because we have a common goal here in mind that we have to stand for truth, raise that level of righteousness in our land and do what's necessary for our next generation, our children.
0: Yeah. Lisa and Jessica. So we want to just kind of start off. If you don't mind, kind of tell us about your, your home background first because you both are moms, right?
2: Yes, we are. Um, I'm a large family mom. I have 14 kids. Some of mine are grown, and I also have a married daughter with um, three grandchildren So of mine. So, yeah, I'm a busy mom, but I find time to be a voice still in the culture because that's important. We can't back down just because we're moms, just because we have other responsibilities. Part of that responsibility is to make sure the next generation is prepared to take on what we're being faced with. So we need to be training up the next generation and also being a voice on their behalf.
0: Amen. Jessica, you're a mom as well, right?
3: I am. I'm a mom to two kiddos. My oldest is uh, 17. He just graduated. Uh, We homeschooled him all the way through. And then my youngest is 12. She's homeschooled as well. Um, And just like Lisa said, uh, we are so busy, as you can imagine. Uh, Being a mom in general is busy. And then when you choose to do homeschooling, it's even busier. Um, And Lisa and I both do frontline ministry. But I would say it's a huge blessing. And I think um, when you have kids and you realize just what's at stake um, culturally, like what we've been speaking about on your show, um, there really isn't a question in my mind of where I should be spending um, my time. Uh, when when the time is allowed, we're on those front lines um, and we're speaking out and just getting the message out, because this is really a pivotal time in history for our children in this country.
0: That's the truth. And just want to put this out here, too, that um, you, you, both of you, people like both of you, just this week, by the way, what has been labeled by the Southern Poverty Law Center as domestic terrorists, a danger to our society. People like (laughs) you, moms like you, who are willing to fight for your children. What do you say to being labeled a domestic terrorist by an organization like Southern Poverty Law Center?
2: Well, we are a danger. We're a danger to their agenda, and their agenda is satanic. We should be a danger to them. We need to stand up and be a danger to them. So, yes, I'm, I'm glad that their agenda is recognizing us as such. We should wear that label with pride and um, go for it. <laughs> go with that flow, you know, stand against it. That should encourage us that when the world comes against us, all the more so we should be standing.
0: Yes, I love that. We are domestic terrorists when it comes to your satanic agenda, you leftist out there. We are after it. We are going to take it down bit by bit. You better believe it, pal. Jessica, you know some of these, some of these, uh, these issues really rose up when parents started going to school boards and really giving school boards a fit. Now I know homeschooling is is, and we just came back from homeschool conference in North Carolina, by the way, and. Was out there giving presentations and talking to lots of great homeschool parents, wonderful kids too. So well spoken, so well developed They could actually have an eye to eye conversation <laughs> with you as an adult. Blew my mind. I was like, yes, some some <laughs> kids who actually have some brains about them. They Thank actually you. had personalities. Yes, imagine that. It wasn't this this sort of thing? So you know, part of the reason why school boards started getting bombarded was these devilish, satanic, sexual, or not pornographic books that were being foisted on our children in the in our public schools and also in our public libraries that you and I paid for. What are some of the things that you have heard from the parents that you work with and some mm-hmm. of the things maybe you've seen? And uh, how would you say to other parents to go about combating books like that and and getting them out of the hands of our children and accessible by our children?
3: Well, I would just say, you know, I have friends who have their kids in the public school system, and we've talked a lot about this, and it it is really a problem. And if if a parent has a child in that system, you're going to have to be absolutely diligent when it comes to what is being pushed uh, for your child to read what they're hearing in the classrooms and what we've seen is there are particular books that are in these school libraries and even in our public libraries um and there is a database that can actually be used um and what you can do is you can put your child's school into the database if there's like a pull down menu and then the book that you're concerned about or maybe uh your child has been sent home with a book reading list you want to make sure that these books are a-okay you can you can get a synopsis of what those books are find out if they're in your particular child's library this is what parents are starting to do they're showing up at these school board meetings and you've seen the viral videos time and time again of parents and even children reading mm-hmm. excerpts from these books and i the one i saw the other day the school board actually shut down the microphone of the parent, saying that it was inappropriate For the child to be reading it but if it's inappropriate for the child to be reading it why is it in the school to begin with so these yeah these are the kind of things that parents are doing they're having rallies outside of these schools um all you know different things that are happening so i'm hearing that parents are waking up and realizing you know what we're not going to hand our kids over to the government so easily so they can be indoctrinated
1: we just co-parent with the government. Yes. No, we don't. We're never going to start either. No. Uh, Jessica, what website do you use to look up those books? Is it, uh,
3: I'd have to get it for you. I'm sorry. Off the top of my head. I don't have it. I had a okay. friend, um, with moms for Liberty, send it to me the other day.
1: The ones um, we use is uh, gofollet.com. Yep. Okay. And uh, paved education uh, project, but the, the, I'm sure there are good ones out there. But if you had it on, had it before you, uh, if you could get that back to us, if it's sure something that that is new that we haven't checked out or know about, we want to get it out there to them.
3: Okay, yeah. sure. Will.
1: It's critical,
0: Jessica and, uh, and Lisa, let's start with you, Lisa. The, what do, what about these folks who don't have children in public school? Maybe they don't have children at all. Does this even, and they're kind of like, yo, you know, I don't, I'm kind of hands off. I'm not going to, you know, I don't want to get involved in all of this. What does this really matter to me? My children are in another state or I don't have any children. They're all grown, no grandchildren or whatever, empty nester here. What, what do you say to people like that who just don't want to get involved?
2: It matters to all of us because right now the next generation is being trained up in these public school systems. So it doesn't matter what age you are. It doesn't matter what socioeconomic status you are. It doesn't matter whether you have children, grandchildren or whatever. You should be involved in this fight on all levels, in every way, shape and form, because it is going to affect the next generation and thereafter. So it is vital that homeschoolers realize that just because our kids aren't involved in the public school system doesn't mean that we don't have a part to play. We do have a part to play and it's overwhelming, but we can still play a part. And if we each actually took a step in that direction, we would make a difference. That would be unable to be ignored. So, yeah, I think it's very important for everyone, regardless of whether or not we have children in this system, to be standing up against what's being put in that system and in our public libraries.
0: But 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 Lisa, Jessica, you know, I. I'm not real sure. You know, I'm I might be called a bigot. I might be called a homophobe. I might be called a transphobe. I might be called a domestic terrorist. God forbid. I might be called mean.
3: Hmm. Own it. Own it. Yeah. I would just say, you know, hearing you say that, excuse me, hearing you say that, you know, I think a lot of people who watch Lisa and I do this frontline work think that we're so bold and we're this, and, and maybe they're not. Um, a lot of it is steeped in the fact that I hate to say this, but they're afraid of sacrificing something. They're afraid of losing something. And, you know, I'm just going to be real. Lisa and I have sacrificed oh, yeah. a lot and there's a lot when you're on the front line and, you know, she can tell you too, it's not easy. Um, we are not backing down. Uh, this is a hill we're willing to die on. We know that we were created and fashioned for this generation, just like everybody else that's here. And in the church, you've heard this analogy so many times, I'm sure. We are not a cruise ship, but a battleship. And mm. when people start realizing that you're going to be persecuted for your faith, and for so many years in America, we haven't felt that. You mm. know, I've done mission work all over the world, and you know, even working in the underground church in China is persecution we've never felt that we're starting to feel that the heat is rising right now and so the things that we're asking your audience to get involved with you know maybe their job is on the line maybe their friendships are on the line even family members may say you know what i don't really want to be part of your life because you're speaking out against this listen we've got to be willing to lay it on the line Christ laid it on the line for us there is no time to waste at this point because children are at stake. And if the enemy snatches Mm. our children, what else is left? I mean, I mean, really the most innocent and vulnerable among us.
0: Mm. That is is powerful. And you're exactly right. We must, I I mean, I'm telling you, look, the the, the audience, our audience knows I was a public school educator for 21 years and administrator. I was suspended because I dared be a uh, an out Christian conservative, and then I'd said you know poo on that and went my own way. And so, yeah, there's a lot of people I've heard them just recently read some of the statements that they've said. Of you know, I'm I'm contacting you behind the scenes because I really do support you, but I gotta you know I gotta have a job, folks. You can keep your job and be a slave to this government if you want to. That's what these powerful, these warrior women are saying right now is, I'm not going to die a slave. I am not going to be beholden to this government. You're not going to put your filthy, grubby hands on our children and get away with it. We will lay down our lives, if so be it, to protect our children and be a voice for the voiceless. That's what Christ called us to do. We are to stand in the last day for everything that that the Bible has called right and good because, you know, in the last days, good will be called evil and evil will be called good. And so we're seeing it right before our very eyes right now. And we've got to be the ones who have the strength, the faith, the wherewithal, the power, the courage to stand up and to be heard and to lift up the standard of Christ, because if we lift up his standard, when the enemy comes in like a flood, guess what? You can't come past that standard. I mean, it's going to push back on that standard.
1: Right. Lisa and Jessica, I, I want to ask you, what was the defining, and let me go back just a little bit, but what was the defining moment in each of your lives that, that you realized this was no longer something that you could sit by, but you felt so strong as a calling. You had to act. You had to do something. What defined that? What 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 was the breaking point there?
2: Hmm. Well for me, I was I'm very grateful. I was homeschooled as a child. My parents actually involved us in frontline ministry particularly at abortion centers, reaching out to those moms at those very last moments, offering them hope and help in the name of Jesus. And so I started very young and um, that was ingrained in me. And I'm very grateful for that, which is why I have also passed that on to my own children, involving them in that same type of ministry. So for me being involved in that, it was just kind of a natural progression that when I see evil take a stand, I'm supposed to stand against it and just be Mm. strong. So um i think that's powerful and i think that's another reason you know to realize we need to be raising up that next generation for christ and to to not shrink back from the battle as revelation says we need to be standing up not afraid of of what comes against us so yeah that was it was kind of just always there but each time something comes up it just what's built inside of me what's ingrained inside of me just rises up
3: against that so yeah
1: excellent Uh, Jessica?
3: Um, Well, I didn't have the exact same upbringing as Lisa, very different situation, but I would say there was always a fire in me. I I didn't know exactly what it was. Um, I came to know Christ in college and um, really started to question abortion and different things that, you know, I thought I really knew about. And then um, we decided to adopt a baby girl and that's where Lisa and I met many, many years ago. Um, and I realized this abortion issue is, wow, it is front and center of the most vulnerable of those among us. So for me, it was about 13 years ago when we realized our daughter, who we adopted, um, was in a place of essentially at risk of being aborted. And her birth mother you know, chose the most brave thing she could do. Uh, which was life. She chose life. And then she placed her into our family through adoption. So for me, that was what began it all. Now I always had all the characteristics um, and disposition that God had fashioned me with. I just didn't have um, people in my life yet showing me how to um, help uncover that and use it for the kingdom. So I'm um, very thankful for those that have mentored me through the years. Um, and Lisa and I hope to embolden others to be able to do the same. That's one of the, the joys that we have is constantly we have people reaching out to us and we're just like, you know what? We're, we're just like you. <laughs> so i um, very, very thankful for this path that the Lord has put me upon.
1: And you're in an area, uh, and both of you are around Charlotte, correct? Sure. So you're in an area that is not necessarily kind to, uh, your, your stand or your belief system. So, uh, yeah, we, we, we applaud you for your stand and thank you for being bold.
0: Mm-hmm. Can, can y'all, you both tell us about frontline ministries. Uh, I know that that is, that is where you are definitely on the f- front lines, literally fighting abortion and mothers that are going into the abortion clinics. Tell us a little bit about that.
2: Yeah, we partner with um, a ministry called Love Life, which um, began out of Charlotte many years ago, kind of went from one ministry to the other where they kind of merged together. But we actually stand right outside of abortion centers here in Charlotte and speak on behalf of those who have no voice, which is what Proverbs tells us to do. So in doing that, we partner with the Pregnancy Center um, and Roe Health Crisis Pregnancy Center that brings out a mobile ultrasound unit And in the sidewalk counseling, we are able to lead those moms who are willing to go onto the unit with a registered nurse and a sonographer. And they are able to show that mom and introduce that mom to that baby. And through that, we're able to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're able to provide that mom with practical resources and hopefully watch her choose life over death right there moments before that baby is set to to be killed and and we are blessed to have walked beside many of those moms my children have gotten to hold some of those babies that have been saved and it's just um it really is a blessing it's been it's been a beautiful thing to watch that's
0: that's very interesting and and jessica you run you actually facilitate an adoption uh process an adoption program right
3: yeah so how that all happened was like i said uh We realized after we adopted our daughter, we were already doing frontline ministry at that point. And we started asking a lot of questions about the adoption component. And it was so heartbreaking to find out that there's only 2% of women that choose adoption over death. Um, And we were like, what? I mean, it's so, so low. And we were just holding this precious life in our arms every day thinking, how can we help other men and women make this choice instead of, you know, death? And so we searched all over America to try to find a ministry that was doing this, because as you can imagine, homeschool mom, uh, new baby, I was not looking to start a ministry. And so I couldn't find anything that was front lines. I just couldn't believe it. Now, there's a lot of things that deal with pregnancy resource centers having those um, components, but there was nothing that went to the sidewalks or equipped sidewalk counselors to do this. And so we started Option Adoption. It started in Charlotte. And it went nationwide. We just kept getting calls from all over. So we equip um, pregnancy resource centers if they need it. We equip sidewalk counselors. Um, pretty much anybody, even within the church, we get a lot of people within the church that know of a friend of a friend whose daughter may need help. Um, and so the adoption component um, is near and dear to my heart because I just realized, you know my daughter's uh, birth mom could have made a very different decision. So we are so thankful that somebody gave her the message of adoption.
0: Would would you say that the, I'm really curious about this because this is the researcher in me, but y'all were there when the women actually come to the clinics. Would you say that by and large, the characteristics of these women, the outward characteristics Race, ethnicity, class—that it is tends to go in in uh, trend in one direction primarily. What do you see as far as? Let me ask the ask it that way. What do you see as far as characteristics of women that come to these clinics?
2: Well, you know, we get a var- a variation, you know, of the women that come out to those clinics, but definitely Planned Parenthood way back at their beginning was targeting the low income black communities. And that is where they place their centers to this day. They place them in low income, traditionally black neighborhoods and they are there as Margaret Sanger, the founder of Planned Parenthood said to eliminate the um, weeds in our society, which she classified as African-Americans once you realize that agenda you see how they're using their marketing capabilities to target that specific um mm-hmm. that specific race so yeah it's it's disheartening for sure to see that happen and to see the african american community programmed in that way to believe that they can conceive and just get rid of their mm-hmm. next generation and their their percentage of abortion is much higher than the White communities, so they're killing off their entire people group, and it's
3: it's disheartening to watch.
0: It is. Add,
2: oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead.
0: Go ahead, Jessica.
3: I was just going to add one thing. Um, totally agree with Lisa on that, but I would say the longer um, that I had been out on the sidewalks, year after year, I started to see uh, a real shift. So the average person who understands that women are going into these clinics probably thinks that it's a teenage girl. I mean, isn't that, kind of like your first thought, right? And of course we see that, but I was just, uh, I couldn't believe how many times I counseled with married couples. And I just, it baffled me. And I'm sure Lisa has experiences like that too. So I just want your audience to know um, that it's a, a wide variety of background types that we see. And And it's just, it's so heartbreaking. Um, I had one of these married couples tell me that the reason that they were there to murder their baby that day was because they had just downsized their home. Their, um, their youngest child was 13. And they felt like there'd be too much of an age gap. And, you know, and she was worried about losing her body. Like she had been um, an aerobics instructor and worked hard at her body. And I just remember standing there thinking, has it come to this? Like, the, our minds think young teenage girls, but I want the audience to know it's pretty unbelievable the myriad of reasons that we see and the types of situations that we see.
0: That is shocking. Wow.
1: Just a few weeks ago, when the North Carolina House voted to override uh, Cooper's uh, veto, mm-hmm. and uh, I'll be the first to say that's not what we wanted as far as the limitation, I wanted it eradicated. But um, that was the bill that was passed, and that's uh, that's what was voted on. So notwithstanding, uh, there was a house member, a lady, a female house member that got up. Her name slips me, um, but she got up and, and explained how she had had an abortion. She had the same type story that her and her husband at different stages in life, They would finally gotten the careers that they were wanting. They already had two children. They had taught with their two children and they made the decision as a family. And I quote her saying by this, and I quote by prayer. Mm. So she, she alluded that her Christian faith uh, gave her the okay, as it were, Uh, it, it was in compliance with her Christian faith. So uh, that's uh, that's the mentality uh, what you just said ha- have we come to this yeah sadly we have in the last days perilous treacherous dangerous and let me even say uh, it's in the greek is not in english stupid times will come um and because literally sin will make you stupid that's true. Uh, it makes you to a point that you cannot reason there's no logic uh, you, you look at something as, as precious as a child, and I didn't mean to reference as something, but uh, speaking as a former fetus myself, um, uh, when, you, when you think of someone as precious as a child uh, being an imposition, uh, mm-hmm. there's something wrong with the heart. There's a spiritual famine there. So uh, we haven't even covered that aspect of it, but we are in a, in a spiritual famine in this land. Thank God, there are people like you who will take a stand, and and they're, you're present, and and you're doing things not just to call the wrongdoers out of what they're doing as being wrong, but you're offering a solution to a problem. Yes, and so you're doers and you're thinkers, but you're actually putting that faith without works is dead. You're putting your work with your faith, and and you're doing an amazing job. I do want to ask you, uh, Jessica. And uh, Nathan can pipe in on this because he is he is very uh, knowledgeable of this question. What can we as a state, uh, and and we're all in North Carolina, and Nathan Nathan, this is his home, but he's he's down there, uh, he's in in re- Rebellion Land. But uh, uh, what can we as a state do better to make adoption a better option? Adoption a better process. Because I th- I don't have the experience here, but I think I can say from what, what I know, it is not an easy process as it could be.
3: Well, the first thing I would say is the average couple gets fear-based knowledge from others about adoption. I, I have people call me all the time and I really try to put their fears to rest because I'll put it to you like this. When we started the adoption process, there was some fear associated with it. Um, But real quickly, I learned to slay that fear because here's why. Just like I'm doing frontline ministry work that we've been talking about today, I feel just as strongly when God calls a family to adopt, we should not let money or anything else get in the way. Because we're talking about a soul. We're talking about a life. And God is bigger than any price tag that comes with the legal fees and everything else. So I want to just put that out there for anybody that may have their heartbreak to adopt. Um, secondly, you know, just to answer the question, um, our state does have some things that are implemented. Um, there's tax credits. Um, and a lot of people don't realize that because they're getting misinformation. But at a federal level, we have tax credits and at a North Carolina level we do. Um, and so when we went, we had to pay for the adoption. We actually received a lot of those funds back. And here's the, the third thing I would say. Um, our ministry, Option Adoption, is in collaboration with ABBA Fund. And ABBA Fund was started here in Charlotte by some of our friends who adopted four children um, from Russia. And they have a biblical model of lending money. Um, they lend it without any interest. And each individual church can start one of these funds. And it's a pot of money. And essentially, um, you know, couples can borrow the money as soon as they're done with that and they get their tax credits back and things. They they give the money back to the church and it just keeps on going and it keeps on going. So I believe there are things that are implemented already in North Carolina. But I do think the church as a whole, if we're going to say that, you know, these children are going to be vulnerable if they have to enter into the foster care system, then we need to put our money where our mouth is and mm-hmm. we need to start these funds, just like ABBA fund. There's a few other ones out there. Let's not just allow these children to get scooped up into the foster care system, because I'll tell you what, there, there's a guy in Texas who's amazing. Um, sometimes I speak at an adoption conference, um, you know, during, during the fall of each year. And he was there one year and he wanted to eradicate the foster care system of his state. So, you know, what he did, he, he started calling pastors of all these different churches and realized that if the church would do exactly what the scriptures say we should do, which is to step in. See, we don't want these government programs. We don't want the welfare programs. We don't want the foster care program because we know that these kids are being very, they're very vulnerable in the foster care program. And the average child, um, if they enter in at an infancy level, they have eight homes by the time they're 10 or 11 years old. Eight homes. That's not stability. When the church steps in, then what we see is that these children are able to be in two-parent homes with godly influences to make a foundation for them for the rest of their life. And that was really the call that we felt by God. Like, And when we talked to our daughter's birth mother, you know, that's what she wanted. She said, I want a two-parent family for my child. And so, you know, we can do this as the church. It's, It's very simple. And the statistics are overwhelming. I don't have them off the top of my head. But with the number of churches just within North Carolina, we could eradicate the foster care system if the church stepped in. So that that would be what I would say. Um, just kind of focusing in on that as a church as a whole.
0: And and uh, Lisa, you also adopted, from what yes, I yes, we, we have we so, have three that are adopted. Yeah. So that experience, you you felt that same way of, of, about the the experience that you uh, that you undertook as well.
2: Absolutely. Our oldest daughter um, was from Kazakhstan. We adopted her when she was ten years old. And when we decided to do that, we had a three and a one-year-old biologically at the time, and Mark was just beginning his career. So we were very tight financially. So like Jessica said, don't let money hold you back. We watched God do tremendous miracles and provide the exact amount of money we needed every time there was a payment due to the home study or adoption agency. So don't limit your decision based on what you think God is able or not able to do, because if it is his will then he will make a way he will provide a way so don't let that hold you back
0: That's Absolutely. so good that's so good pastor i know we're 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 uh, in fleeting time but i, I these mm-hmm. these ladies are an inspiration to me they've been an inspiration to everyone I'll, and i i'm just going full disclosure with the audience and uh, pastor knows this and full disclosure with y'all too my wife and i both have been in the adoption process for some time and uh we have gone through a failed adoption and uh mm-hmm. and that we we are still in the adoption process, and so you're right. It is time that that we stood up as Christians. It always comes back to this. comes back to the church. If the church would do what the church has been called to do, we would not have the ills that society experiences now. If the church would be the church instead of trying to be the friend of the world and trying to coddle all the sin that goes on and pat it on the rear end, if the church would be the church, and, and help the widows and the fatherless the and those those who are nearest to hell to stand up for for them and to support them. we would be in a much better spot, but we have ceded that authority to the government over the years and it's sad to see. Uh, so I I'm, I applaud you both for the work that you're doing. Uh, Lisa, can you tell us about your your social media and how folks can can contribute to your organization and where they can find you?
2: Sure. So Mom Army Charlotte is found on Instagram right now. So it's momarmy.charlotte. And um, that's where you can follow our organization. And then uh, Jessica's is at Protect NC Kids. And that is on Instagram. And we are also on Facebook as well on there. And our website, ProtectNCKids.com. And if you email us there, you can um, donate at Protect North Carolina Kids or ProtectNCKids.com.
0: So good. And well, we she, don't
1: want you to be a stranger. We want you to come back on. Uh, definitely. Uh, yeah, definitely. And,
0: uh, Jessica, can you tell us the the adoption, uh, operation adoption, where can can folks or option adoption? I'm sorry, where okay. folks can find that and, and how they might could uh, might could contribute to saving a life.
3: Yes. So uh, we have a website option-adoption.com. And all, if they want to contribute, there's a button um, at the bottom of that page. And um, a lot of times, you know, that helps families just like yourself that are going through the process. Maybe they just need money to get their home study started, Um, but we wanna help them along that process. Um, And we also wanna help uh, from the frontline perspective of training sidewalk counselors um, and getting information in their hands to be able to hand out to those that are abortion determined.
0: So it comes down to this, folks. Where, where are you? You're going to sit behind your computer screen and be keyboard warriors? Or are you, going, are you going to complain about everything that's going on? You're just going to go to a sounding board and just in the echo chamber and keep yelling all day long? Yell at the sky all day long. Is that what you're going to do? Are you going to get on your knees and are you going to pray, first of all? But then are you going to put action to those prayers and put your money where your mouth is and go out there and support organizations like these organizations? There's plenty here for you to do. Either get your, your shoes on and go out there and stand in the in the lines and fight abortion with these women and give them options or open up your pocketbooks and your checking accounts and let's start changing lives Immediately, let's put some practice to our prayers. We can't keep just, you know. God is God. You know, it's the story of of how the man on the top of a, of a roof one time and the, his house was flooded, and he said, "Lord, send me, send me something, send come and save me, come and save me." Well, he sent a boat. The guy said, "No, I'm going to wait for the Lord to save me." Well, then a helicopter came by, and the guy said, "No, I'm going to wait for the Lord to save me." And the water kept getting him, kept getting up, and totally killed him. It it drowned him, and then. When he went in front of God and, and said, God, why didn't you save me? I, I relied on you to save me. God said, I sent you a boat and a helicopter, dummy, and you didn't take either one. So it <laughs> comes down to this, y'all, that if we're going to keep sitting, keep praying, keep praying, keep praying, God's saying, yes, I'm going to help you. You're the one has got to go out and take the step to do it. Then if we just keep on praying for that boat, there's, there's nothing going to happen. We're going to end up dead. We've got to go and we've got to support people like like Lisa and like Jessica here and help them with their organizations. And let's make a difference. Pastor, I just I just applaud these women. I'm so glad to have met them.
1: I do, too. It's an honor to have you on. Um, People ask us specifically people close to me ask me, why in the world would you want to do what you're doing? Why not? Because I have children and I have to fight for them and I have to fight for others and there is nowhere else to go and <laughs> well, to who much is given much is required. I mean, there's, there's just so many principles there. So we applaud you. Thank you for doing it. And, and, um, we know that there has to be a strong supportive system behind you, uh, in your family. So, uh, we applaud that as well, because without a good strong support system from your husbands, your children, Yes. Um, it, it, it just would not, uh, work, uh, it, and, and I know you may be on the front line, but I'm sure you work in sync and con and uh, work together. And that's just, that's amazing. Thank you for doing the Lord's work. Thank you for standing. Thank you for being, uh, who you are. We need more of you, more of you every day, every day,
0: folks. Thanks for joining us here on Carolina conservatives preachers with a punch. I think the topic of the day is fight Continue to fight, support these people. Let's get out there and let's make it happen right now. The Lord is calling us right now to do his work. Are you going to answer the call or are you going to sit on your rear end and do nothing? It's your choice. But I want to stand before the Lord and him say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. That's what I'm looking for. I hope you are too. God bless you. Join us again very soon for Carolina Conservative Preachers. Village. God bless you.